everyone, both teams. It's halftime. You have been here for 46 days. You have 47 days left. It's halftime. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So what do you do at halftime, Brother Shetler? You have halftime adjustments. You have halftime adjustments. And gang, I have the verse of all verses for halftime adjustments. 46 days since August 22nd. 47 days to November 22nd. And nobody's leaving before November 22nd. So everyone's got 47 days. Halftime adjustments. Look with me at this passage of scripture. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word today. First Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll begin reading at verse 11. Verse 14 will be our text. And I will read verse 14. I'll read 11 through 14. And then when I finish reading verse 14, we're going to read it all together. Then we'll have a word of prayer. And we're going to talk today about halftime adjustments. Look at the person next to you right now and say, you need halftime adjustments. Okay, here we go. I'll read verses 11 through 14, and then we'll come back to 14. We'll read it all together. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for your work's sake. All right, let's stop here for just a minute. We'll look this way. Okay, so here's one right here. And you got them over here. And you got some in the back. And you're about to go to classes. Look at, look at those verses. This is not about our message today, but I want to say this. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor, everyone together. What are the next two words? All right, now listen to me. These are the ones you're supposed to honor and love and encourage. Are those that are over you that are among you. Very rarely, I don't even know of another Bible college. I don't know of another university or college that you could have gone to that those that are over you are among you as much as West Coast Baptist College. Hey, by the way, at the banquet, those that are among you are gonna serve you the meal. And that's just the way that they are. Now listen, I leave next, I leave next Tuesday, but I'm gonna tell you this. You are in great hands with a faculty, a staff, and an administration that cares about you. And you know what? You're supposed to honor them. Don't worry so much about all those people you're listening to on social media. They're not among you. These are the people that are among you. And these are the people that you really ought to honor. That has nothing to do with halftime adjustments, but I thought the passage was fabulous. Verse 13, so mark down this week, you know what? 
I'm going to send a thank you card to those that are among me that love me, care for me, and admonish me and correct me, because that's what it says there. Did you see that? And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. They correct you. They're not always just there, oh, you're perfect, you do everything right. No. They want the best for you. Verse 13, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Okay, that's going to be our text. I'm going to read it once and then we're going to read it together. <clears throat> now, we exhort you. I love that's one of my favorite top 10 words. In the, I got two of those today. Uh, exhort and warn are two of my two favorite Greek words in the, in the New Testament. Paraclete, to come alongside. Um, now we exhort you, brethren, Warn, nuthetic, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. You see the three groups there? Warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Okay, we need some halftime adjustments. I would imagine, by the way, there's actually a fourth group, and we'll talk about that at the very end. Everyone in this room is one of these four groups. So three mentioned right here, and I'm going to mention another one that's actually mentioned in Be Patient to All Men. Okay, so everyone together, verse 14, remain standing. We'll have a word of prayer, and we'll get into some what? Everyone together? Halftime adjustments. Okay, everyone together, verse 14. Now... Father, I pray that not only this message, I pray that we would all help each other. Lord, there, <clears throat> there are some in this room that have been unruly. They're disorderly. And, and Lord, may this sober them. Uh, Father, there are some that are discouraged. And Lord, I pray that they would get encouragement today from your word and from their other fellow students and Lord, there's some that are damaged. I mean, they can't, even, they can't even stand on their own spiritually right now. They got to hold on to your word and to somebody else. And they're damaged. Something's happened. Maybe back home that has damaged them. Maybe in their academics. Maybe in a relationship. But Lord, I pray that all three groups today, the disorderly, the, the discouraged, and the damaged, would, would get what you need. Father, the damaged probably don't need to listen to the disorderly. And the disorderly don't, doesn't need to hear the discouraged ones uh, point. But Lord, may we find where we're supposed to be in the locker room at halftime today. And may we get the instruction that we need to get from your word today that's going to help us in the second half. Thank you for an incredible 46 days. But there are disorderly in here. There's some unruly. There's some, Lord, that, boy, they just really need comfort right now. And there's some that are, they, they're, they're, they're so weak, they, they can't even, they're feeble-minded. They just, they can't even stand right now. They've been damaged by something. And then, Lord, help all of the rest of us that maybe not in one of those three categories be discerners and help and encourage the other three groups. And um, so, Lord, we, I believe this is for everyone, and this is a critical day. We are exactly halfway through our semester. So, Lord, may we make the adjustments and get going for you. And then, Lord, teach us how to live that way. 
man, we got to learn how to make adjustments in our life. And this is a great chapel to practice what we're going to need to do the rest of our ministries and the rest of our life in making adjustments. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll be with us today in chapel. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And God's champion said, amen. amen. You may be seated. It was November 30th, 1974. I was a senior in high school. I love college football. And that day, one of the biggest college games of the entire year was going to take place. So I got to tell you about my two favorite teams. My two favorite college teams are the University of Michigan Wolverines and whoever plays Notre Dame. <laughs> I don't like Notre Dame. Okay, so whoever plays Notre Dame and Michigan are my two favorite college teams. Well, that day, the number one offense in the country the University of Southern California Trojans was playing the number one defense in the country, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. They were both, actually it's interesting, they both had a loss, but the winner of this game will end up on January 1st to be the national champions. So this was quite a game. It was uh, Oklahoma was in the mix as one of the top three, but outside of Oklahoma, everyone knew USC and Notre Dame were the two. They played in Los Angeles Coliseum. November 30th, 1974, man, I sat down with the biggest, you know, hoagie you could find, and I'm going to watch Notre Dame get beat. Ten seconds before the first half ended, the score was 24 to zero. Notre Dame was killing USC. 10 seconds before the half ended, USC scored a touchdown, guys. They missed the extra point. So they go into the locker room 24 to six. I said, I can't handle this. So I got on my Yamaha 175 and I went out dirt riding, man, because I said, I can't watch Notre Dame kill a team like this. Later that day, I came back to watch some late afternoon games, only to find out that USC won that game 55 to 24. USC, they called it the California earthquake, at that time the greatest comeback in college football. USC scored a touchdown every time they had the ball in the second half. At halftime, Coach John McKay said to his team, after they made their adjustments, we'll get back to that at the very end of the message. After they made their adjustments, John McKay got his whole team together and he said, Anthony, stand up. And Anthony Davis stood up. He said, you, are going to return the opening second half kickoff for a touchdown. And then we are going to score. We are going to score. We are going to score. And then we're going to score some more. They all got together and they went out. Anthony Davis got the kickoff two yards into the end zone and ran 102 yards for a touchdown. They stopped Notre Dame, they got the ball back, and they scored, 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 and then they scored some more. 
the adjustments that they made at halftime not only will make the difference in that game, but at the Rose Bowl, after USC beat Ohio State and won the national championship after the Rose Bowl, it was asked John McKay, what was the key to the victory of the Rose Bowl? And John McKay said, the second half of the Notre Dame game. The reason why we won January 1st, 1975 against Ohio State was because of the adjustments of the second half of the Notre Dame game. And I want to tell you, making the right adjustments in your life are absolutely pivotal. It's part of the Christian life. The just man falleth seven times. You have to learn how to make adjustments in your life and wherever you're going to go. So let's look at these very quickly. First of all, we see four groups. The first group I want you to see is the disorderly. The word that's represented by the disorderly is the word unruly. It is a military term. It means to break rank. And I called General Tychett early this morning, and I said, what does it mean to break rank? And he said, when an officer or an enlisted person does not do the duties that they are responsible for, that others could be damaged because of that, they are unruly, they are disorderly, they have broken rank. Now, looking into the Word and where else it's mentioned in the New Testament, you find something interesting. It has also connected with being slackered, being lazy, and being insubordinate. So the Bible says that we are to warn the disorderly. Those that have broken rank and are not doing the responsibilities that they're supposed to be doing for where they've been called. Those that have become slacker, those that have become lazy, those that have become insubordinate, they are to be warned. Now that word warn is a great word. That word warn is neuthetic. It means to admonish, it means to warn, but it means to put in mind to verbally put sense into. Now, every time, I believe there's eight times that neuthetic is mentioned in the New Testament. Every time the word neuthetic is mentioned, it always is in reference to a verbal correction. It's never by, watch me the way that I'm living, and I hope that admonishes you. That's not what it is. I think there's a part in that. I think you look at the way other people live, and sometimes that can convict you and warn you and kind of go like, well, but that's not what neuthetic means. Neuthetic means a verbal correction of some type. So I like definitions. So I came up with my own definition, looking up every passage that uses neuthetic in the New Testament. This was the definition I came up with. Speaking truth to someone to correct them because you love them. Speaking truth to someone to correct them because you love them. Every time Neuthetic is mentioned, and Paul uses it with the church of Thessalonica in chapter one, and he uses it again here. He is speaking to them to correct them about an area that they're not doing right because he loves them. Now, I 
think it's possible that outside of the scriptures, you could neuthetic somebody because you don't love them. But every time neuthetic is mentioned in the Bible, it has to do with the idea you are talking to someone to correct them because you love them. Well, I believe that that's my heart today, college student. And I want to tell you something. There's two things that I want to warn you about. If you are in this category, they all get in the locker room and they get the defense over here and they get the offense over here and they may talk to the special teams. So I'm talking to the disorderly right now, okay? And I want to tell you two areas. One is your priorities. You need to be warned about your priorities. Some of you are on the basketball court way too much. Some of you are with your girlfriend and your boyfriend way too much. Well, we're planning on getting married. Well, then, and your point is, you're going to spend the rest of your life with her. So you don't do it right now. This isn't the time. You have priorities that are above that. Now, now, the discouraged and the damaged, you can plug your ears and take a little nap. I'll wake you up in just a minute. I'll get you guys later, okay? But I'm talking to the disorder, because you know what? This is what always happens in these. Somebody who's discouraged right now going, I know, I don't have my priorities. I don't know why I came. I don't know what I'm doing here. Oh, it is so true. I am so messed up. You need to be quiet and not listen to me right now, okay? I'm talking to your roommate who's disorderly, who's unruly, who's slackered, who's lazy, all right? And for you that are, you need to listen to this. There are some of you students in here that better make an adjustment and you better make it pretty quick. You, you freshmen, you've learned, you know, I thought this was gonna be 13th grade. This isn't 13th grade, this is college. And now, this is the day that you wake up and start being the college student that God called you to be. It's time to have a halftime adjustment. Now, what are priorities all about? Priorities are all about your roles. What are your roles? What do you have? Well, uh, I'm a boyfriend, so I'm doing really good in this. No, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You are a boyfriend, and there is responsibilities with that. But on the totem pole of priorities, we're looking way down. And your time in the basketball and playing basketball all the time, that's like underneath the totem pole, okay? You get some free time, you wanna have that diversion, that's fine. Well, Billy Shep, then I'm not coming to the banquet tomorrow night. Okay, you know what? Just take it easy, disorderly, just for a moment, and receive correction, okay? Now, actually, the banquet is exactly where you need to be. And I wanna tell you why. Because you need to have, I believe, one of the greatest speakers that I have heard in the nine years I've been here has been Brother Miracle. His messages have been out of the park. And I would say two of the five greatest messages I've heard in chapel in the last five years, in the last nine years, has been from Brother Miracle. You guys need that. You need to get together like that. But if you plan and get your priorities lined up with everything else, it'll work. Okay, so you got number one, you are a student at West Coast. And that is a priority. That actually is a priority over your work. Because the only reason why you're working right now is to go to college. So you've got to get your roles. And number one, you are a believer. You are a child of God. 
And if you're not having your devotions every day, you don't have the right priorities. And chances are you're disorderly because you're not spending time alone with God. So get the priorities right. You've got to make the adjustments or it's not going to happen in the second half. If you keep doing what you've always done, you're always going to be what you've always been. You've got to learn to make the adjustments of your life. And there are students in this room right now that have the wrong priorities of why you're here. And you've got to make that adjustment now. Number two is purity. If you're disorderly, there's chances are there's something impure in your life. And you got to get your and you got to get purity. Now, I wrote down several things. It may be bad language. Some of you talk, gutter. Some of you swear. Some of you talk really off color. Some of you got bad language. And you know what? If you don't change that, you are going to have a really tough second half. And you know what? Out of the mouth, the heart speaketh. And it's just going to be a matter of time that what you're saying is going to catch up to you. If you don't make an adjustment, some of you need to put a zip on the lip really quick. There's language going around. And I'm going to, by the way, discerners, you don't know who you guys are yet, but you, there's, there's some of you in here that are discerners. You need to help them and warn them in love about their bad language. Number two is cheating. Now, we all know how easy it is to cheat on Canvas. And I'm going to tell you something. It's going to catch up to you. If you don't make an adjustment about that, and maybe you need to go back to an instructor and say, hey, first half, first 46 days, me being here, I've been cheating. On my reading reports, on this, on taking the test, on this or whatever, you got to get that purity out. Number three is murmuring. Now, this is about the time that murmuring begins. We're right about halfway through, and now we have found things to murmur about. No, no, hey, hey Doc, I, I found things to murmur about the first week I was here. Okay, I know, but the majority of us, the majority, that's why you're disorderly, okay? But the majority of us, you know, it takes a few weeks. Well, here we are now in the middle. And now, if I asked you right now, stand up if you've got something you'd like to complain about. I'm telling you what, man, we, we don't have enough time the rest of the day, you know? Be careful. Get it taken care of. Murmuring will destroy you. Next one is immorality. Some of you have been here long enough, and you got yourself a little boyfriend now, you got yourself a little girlfriend now, and you guys are talking about doing some stuff, or maybe already have. I'm telling you, to think that you're going to get away with that, I tell you, you better make a halftime adjustment, and you better make it right after chapel. Hey, we're not doing that off campus. We're not doing that back in that place that we, that we said that we could, go, we could find here on campus. Yeah, we're not doing that. And you better make your halftime adjustment. Some of you may be involved with drugs and alcohol. And that, that's not like it's never happened at West Coast before. Well, you better make a halftime adjustment right now. And you better decide that's it, it's over. And some of you are lying. And you're bearing false witness and you're being deceptive. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This is just the disorderly. But there are, there are students in this room right now that need to get their priorities right and you need to get your purity right and you need to get right. And I'm warning you and I think I'm speaking the truth to someone to correct them because we love you, because we love you. Warn the unruly, the disorderly. Number two, the discouraged, the discouraged. The Bible says comfort the feeble-minded. 
comfort the feeble-minded. Now, normally the word comfort is the word paraclete, to come alongside us with the Holy Spirit as the comforter. But that's not the word here. The word comfort here is near in speech. Near in speech. That means somebody probably in your room, a close friend, that you know that you see is discouraged. You are to comfort them, comfort the feeble-minded. You take some time and you pray with them one-on-one. They, they just need someone to say something good to them. And listen to what the feeble-minded is. It is it's two Greek words, small-souled. Small-souled. The word psyche is in this word. And, it, it, and it, it means that their soul is really small. Brother Scheller, what does that mean? They're despondent. There's just no life in them. They have lost hope. Hope expands your soul. Hope gives you, you can make it. So they are losing or they've lost or they have a lack of hope. And their soul isn't big. They just, they don't believe. They need to be, they're discouraged. They have unfulfilled expectations. College isn't what they thought. They're disappointed. It it could be their senior year. Well, they've been here for three years. You would think they would. You know what? They might have had expectations in their senior year. And maybe there is a senior in here that is more discouraged right now than they ever were as a freshman, sophomore, junior. They're very discouraged. I don't know where I'm going to go. I'm not married. I don't have anyone to date. And I just got to tell you, I think being a senior is more discouraging than it was as a freshman. There could be. There's freshmen that go like, well... I did not know what I was getting into. This is definitely a one-year Bible thing for me, man, and I'm not even sure I'm coming back next year. And you're very discouraged. Your soul is small. This isn't what you expected, and you're despondent. Okay, let me give you two things you got to do. Number one, you got to get a hold of God's promises. And number two, you got to get God's perspective. You got to get God's promises, and you got to get God's perspective. And I just could not think of a passage of Scripture that would be better for this than Romans chapter 8. As cliche as it is, as trite as it is, as common as it is, as familiar as it is, I'm just telling you, we just need to all go on over to Romans chapter 8. And if you are the discouraged, now if you're the disorderly, you do not need this passage. Okay, the damage will get the the damaged ones. You 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 could probably use this as well. But I'm telling you, this is for the discouraged. You got to get God's promises, and you got to get God's perspective. Listen to this, Romans chapter eight. Oh, let's read it responsibly. Okay, you don't have to stand. You don't have to stand. But let's read it responsibly. I'll go ahead. I'll start at verse 28. You guys jump in on verse. No, you will all start at verse 28. I'll read verse 29 because you guys all need to read 28 together. Okay. And then I'll read 29. We'll go back and forth all the way to the end. Y'all ready? You guys ready? Here we go. Together on verse Romans 8, 28, everyone together. And we them who are called according to his For whom he did foreknow, he did, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Everyone together on 30? Them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then? To these things. If God be for us, 
who can be against us? Everyone. He that spared his son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Everyone. Who is he condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, everyone, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for this life. Oh, let's all say 37 together. Everyone together. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, everyone together, nor... So I got to tell you what happened. This past weekend, I was in Sierra Vista, Arizona, which is absolutely one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. I mean, this is a beautiful place. And I was with a guy named Pastor Perry, and he has a family. He has three daughters, and he has one son. And they, yeah, there they are, right there. And we were outside of Culver's. They took us to Culver's after church service. So you see the little girl in front of me. Her name is Lainey. Everyone together, what's her name? I'm 65, and I do not believe that I have ever met a girl more affectionate than this little girl, Lainey. Show the next picture of Lainey. You just, this girl, I had never met her before. They had a barbecue for me on Saturday night. Ooh, with those good ribs. And uh, so they had a barbecue for me. I walk in to pastor's father-in-law's house where he was smoking the ribs and everything. I walk in and Lainey comes running to me. Like I have known Lainey all of my life. I mean, I don't know who this girl is. She's grabbing a hold of me. She's touching my arm. She's just saying, Brother Shetler, Brother Shetler. And I go, I don't know who you are, little girl. I have never seen you before. She is just the most affectionate girl I have ever been around. Well, I got to tell you, you cannot be around Lainey very long that you don't fall in love with her. I'm, I, by Sunday, I'm trying to find a suitcase to put her in to bring her back. I'm going, I'm going, okay, I got three grandsons. I could use a granddaughter and Lainey would be the one I would want. You just, you just love this girl. So her mother said something to me. This is, I'm going, okay, I'm preaching that, man. That is like the coolest thing in the world. She said, Brother Shetler, don't get too big a head. She does it to everybody. I said, oh, I thought it was just kind of me. She said, no, no, no. Lainey doesn't know anyone that she doesn't love. Listen to this. And then mom said, Lainey believes that everyone loves her. I said, what do you mean? She believes that everyone loves her. Well, you know what? I know I love her now. And I thought to myself, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? You know what it is? Everybody loves Lainey. And you know why everybody loves Lainey? Because Lainey loves everybody. And because Lainey loves everybody, everybody loves Lainey. 
Now you say, well, Brother Shetler, when she gets older, she's going to find that not everybody loves her. You're right. But if she can remember and she can know that God loves her, she ain't going to have a problem loving others. We love him because he first loved us. Let me tell you something right now. If you're discouraged, you need to know that God loves you. You need to understand that his love for you, he did not make a mistake. You need to get a hold of God's promises. And there's a whole lot, there's a whole lot of promises in Romans 8. You can go wherever you want. Psalms may be a great one as well. But you also need to get God's perspective. And here's God's perspective. I did not bring you to West Coast because I don't love you. I brought you to West Coast because I do love you. And nothing can separate me from you. I love it. This girl is amazing. And if you ever get to meet Lainey Perry, you will know what I'm saying because you just think I'm just embellishing. I'm telling you, she, her mom said, no, 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 no. Everybody loves Lainey because Lainey loves everybody. And Lainey believes that everybody loves her. And because she knows everybody loves her. And you know, I thought about it. When you were with Lainey, Brother Shetler, Jim, how did you act? I act really lovingly to her. Why? Because she thinks I love her, so I better love her, okay? You believe God loves you, it'll change the way. You need God's perspective, and you need God's promises. The discouraged comfort the feeble-minded. Hey, guys. Some of you are discouraged. You got unfulfilled expectations. You've been disappointed at West Coast. You've been disappointed with your classes. You've been disappointed with yourself. Okay, let me tell you something. You got to get God's promises and you got to get God's perspective. If you're, if you're disorderly, you got to get the right priorities and the right purity. Number three, there's not a lot in this group, but the damaged, the damaged. And the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, that we are to support the weak. The word support literally means to cleave onto, to hold onto. Support the weak. The weak here means the idea is, and I, boy, I wrote this down, unable, without strength, impotent. They can't do it. They cannot do it. They, they, something has happened in their life and they are unable to function right now at college. They are without strength and they are impotent. And there are some in this room, not a lot, but they need to be support the weak. And some of you, need, and I gotta tell you what you need to, you need two things. If you are damaged and you are going like, I can't, I, don't, I can't do it. I am totally overwhelmed and I'm unable. Two things you gotta do. One of them, you just did it by saying what you just said. You got to be honest and you got to get help. You got to get honest about where you are right now. Right now, I will get an F in this class. I, I, I'm being very honest. I will get an F in this class right now. I am unable to, to do it. You got to get, if you are damaged, something has happened emotionally to you, spiritually to you, get honest with it. God Right now, I am totally without strength. I am unable, and I recognize my weakness right now. And then, get help. No, I think you get help from the scriptures. I think you get help from the Holy Spirit. But there, you can't go to a college that there are more people around here that want to help than right here. And I know we're busy and everything, but I'm telling you, if you want help and you're honest and you humble yourself and you get honest, Something major has happened. You're struggling. Many of you have lost loved ones 
and, and you can't move on. And sometimes going to college, that grieving process just gets all messed up. It's like, I don't know, I, 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 I've lost a loved one and, and it's hard. To, everyone else just keeps going. They're going to their little banquet. They're going to the bonfire. They're doing this and they're doing that. And I just can't move on. Okay, you're damaged. At least honestly, be honest with yourself. You can't, you can't hold on. After I got double knee replacement, I had to be with a walker. I had to hold on to a walker for a couple weeks. I could not. I did not have the ability to walk on my legs. And I needed, a, I needed to hold on to something or someone. And some of you are, and there's not a lot of you, but some of you are right now, right there. You got to get honest and you got to get help. You've got to ask God to show you someone and take some initiative and say, hey, I got to make an adjustment because right now I'm not going to make it. There is no way I'm making it to November 22nd. Right now, if I don't get honest about the situation I'm in right now and I don't get some help and reach out. Man, we want to help you guys. We did everything in the world to get you here as students. We don't want to lose you now. We'll, you get honest and you seek help. We'll be there for you as well, which leads us to the fourth group and we're done. The discerners. Now, look, look at the first for a minute. Now we exhort you. Who's the you? And then look at the end. Be patient toward all men. Who's that? See, we got three groups. You've got warm the unruly. You've got comfort the feeble-minded. And you've got support the weak. But who's the verse written to? Now we exhort you. And then at the end it says, be patient towards you, which is the idea of long-suffering there. Be long-suffering and... Ex and we're coming along, brethren, this is what you, who's the one doing the warning? Well, that would be the preachers at chapel like you're doing today. Well, I'll agree with you. But let me tell you, in the context of this, if you go back to verse 11, wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do, and we beseech you, brethren, to know them which lay. Guys, this passage really isn't for the faculty and staff to go like, yeah, okay, I need to warn some. I need to, I, I, I need to help some others. I, I need to encourage others. Well, we need to hear this. And I need to do this in the six days I got left. Okay, I'm all about it. But I'm going to tell you, the passage is for you guys. And there are students in this room right now. You are not you are not disorderly. You are not discouraged. And you are not damaged. So you got a job, guys. You got to be the discerners. You got to be the one coming alongside of a roommate that we're going to lose. We're going to lose because they're disorderly. And you know about it. And you got to get to them and you got to warn them. Because the Blems don't know anything about it. But you do. You guys, this is your college. And this is your, you guys are the one and others here. And by the way, if you don't do it at college, one day you're not going to do it in a church either. So let me just tell you this. There is a group of people in this room that is not damaged. There is a group of people in this room that are not discouraged. And there is a group of people in this room that are not disorderly. You guys need to be the discerners. And you guys need to come alongside and you need to do the things that were said here today. If you sat there today and go like, whoa, 
I know who he's talking about. By the way, I don't have anyone in my mind. I know who's disorderly here. Okay, then go warn them. Well, that's what Dr. Getz does and Dr. R and every, you know, those people. No, that's what you do in the context of the passage. You're, you're that one. You know somebody who's, who's right now, you need to comfort the feeble-minded. They are small-souled. They have unfulfilled expectations, and you know about it. And by the way, that's why you need to go to the banquet. Well, I don't have a date. No, but you have a feeble-minded one. You, 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 you've got a weak one. You need to say, hey, you're coming with us, and you're sitting, and we're paying for your meal. And you get together a couple of your discerner friends, and you get a hold of a weak, and you get a hold of a feeble-minded, and you get them at your table, and you have the time of your life that night, and you will help them make the halftime adjustments way more than this message will ever help. So that's, that's what we need to do. And so let me, let me tell you this. I kind of already shot it by what I said, but it is really cool to look at January 1st, 1975, and USC beats Ohio State, and I can't remember the score. And John McKay is asked, so what was the key to the Rose Bowl? And John McKay says, the halftime of the Notre Dame game. Because when we got into halftime, I did not divide the groups up like I normally do. We all got together and we said, hey guys, this is not the way the Trojans play. This is not why we came. We came to defeat the fighting Irish. And we are not done yet. We are gonna make changes And I just love what he said. He looked at Anthony Davis and he said, you are gonna run back the kickoff for a touchdown and we're gonna score, 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 and score some more. It was all in Sports Illustrated. They called it the the California earthquake. The only ones that were damaged by it was Notre Dame, but that's okay. But I wanna tell you something. You guys need to have a comeback. You guys need to make the adjustments that you need to make and say, God, we are ready to go, second half. You have 47 days. You have been here for 46 days. And some of you are disorderly, and you need to be down at this altar and saying, dear God, my priorities change today in chapel. God, there's areas that you know about and I know about that are cleaned up today, and you need to make the changes, and you need to come down to the altar, and you say, no, I have been disorderly and I needed to be warned. And I am responding, and I'm gonna make the changes. Some of you are discouraged. Some of you, this is not what you expected. You're a junior, whatever. Something has happened this semester that you did not expect. And I just gotta tell you something. You need to get a hold of the promises of God, and you need to get on your knees and say, dear God, I'm gonna have the right perspective, and God, I'm going to start looking at these next 47 days different than I've been looking at the last 46 days. And I don't think there's a lot, but I think some of you have been damaged. I think some of you, you cannot, you got to have someone to hold on to. Well, I want to tell you this, cry out to God. You heard about prayer yesterday. Come down to the altar and first of all, ask God to help you. And be honest with yourself, God, I am not doing well right now. I think I'm at one of the lowest I've ever been in my spiritual life. And God, because of this happening, the breakup, finances, my health, God, I'm damaged. And I'm gonna make the, I'm gonna make the halftime adjustments and I'm gonna change it around. And I'll tell you something, discerners, maybe you wanna go to someone during the invitation and say, hey, come on, let's go down and pray.
Come on. Let's go down and pray. I want to be there for you. Because if they're damaged, they're probably, they probably ain't going to move. Okay? Maybe you just get up during invitation, walk over and say, come on, man. Let's go down and pray. These are going to be the best 47 days of our life. Let's, we can do this. We can do this.